Good evening and welcome to the uh, Gremlin-infested September 25th edition of Rose City Politics. We are broadcasting live as always from the kitchen studios above Reno's Kitchen and we are brought to you with the kind financial support of Layuna Local 625 Building Better Communities. My name is Doug Sartori, and I am joined by Dangerous Don Merrifield. How you doing, Donald? I'm pretty good tonight, and for the record, I am the problem solver, not the problem creator. That's not what I heard. <laughs> Somebody pushed that button. It wasn't me. <laughs> we, it's fun. We find new ways to mess this thing up every <laughs> single week. Uh, anyway, putting that aside... Um, this past uh, few days, Don and I um, attended the Elevate Tech Fest in Toronto. Uh, what do you think? Was that a junket, Donald? Uh, I like to think of it more as Don and Doug's excellent adventure. It was pretty fun. We went on a road trip. We, uh, um, we did lots of interesting things in the city that we are not going to talk about. But what we are going to talk about is our experiences at the Elevate Tech Fest. This is an annual event um, that is held in the city of Toronto, uh, and it celebrates um, um, tech, technology, obviously, as well as um, innovation. And uh, there, it is an event that is spread across multiple venues with um, many big name speakers. I was uh, really disappointed. I did not, um, was not able to stay in town long enough to hear from Michelle Obama, who was one of the speakers. So that's the kind of the caliber of event um, that it is. And we decided to attend and um, have some conversations with folks who were there, um, both folks who were there as um, attendees and participants, and also folks who were there on business um, to promote their business or to promote uh, a community or region. Before we get into um, some of the interviews that we did, uh, Don, is there anything that, that you took away from this event um, in general that you want to talk about now? Uh I guess uh, we'll see this in the interviews, but uh, we ended up talking to a lot of young people, which was kind of interesting. A lot of people who are straight in high school right now. Uh, we talked to one uh, young man who was working on his PhD, who was actually very relevant to the area with the, what he was studying. So that'll come up a little bit later. Uh, a lot of it was, you know, aside from the, you know, obviously there's a lot of tech companies there talking about what they do and how they make the world a better place. I think the broad message, message about everything was how do we make the world a better place? And whether that's using technology uh, or just being engaged citizens. Uh, so it was, it was an interesting conference. I'm glad I went. Uh, we got some stuff. I took some stuff away from it. And uh, it's always nice to be back in my old hometown of Toronto and uh, see big buildings. That's fun. <laughs> yes, there are lots of big buildings up there. For me, um, attending Elevate is really uh, was really a refreshing experience. Um, you know, Windsor Essex is uh, is not the the um, most active hotbed of technology in the world. Um, I don't think that's surprising to anybody. So for me, it's really refreshing um, to go to a an event like this that is drawing um, people involved in the industry from you know in a variety of different ways from all over who come together in one place that is itself a pretty um, active technology hub. Um, so it was pretty exciting for me. Um, I, you know, Don, I, I would imagine uh, for you, it's like when the, uh, 
um, they have the Windsor Jail reunions, and you get to go and meet all your old buddies from uh, Cell Block D. <laughs> we weren't going to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting just to be, I mean, to be back in Toronto. For those who don't know, I lived there for a decade, so I have fond memories of the place. Uh, it, it's obviously a very different place than Windsor. Uh, it was interesting, like you say, just seeing, you know, the various companies that are doing some crazy things uh, going forward. And it's it's a, it's conversations we have with people that generally we don't have here because we're more of a traditional economy. You know, we're still a manufacturing kind of town, whether we like it or not. And to see people kind of at the forefront of technology and doing all these wild and crazy things, it's interesting to have those conversations and just kind of almost pick up on the energy that they're putting out there. Yeah, so let's get into some of these interviews. This first um, set of clips uh, is conversations with students. So uh, Don mentioned that uh, we talked to a couple of high school and post-secondary students. So we're going to hear from uh, Siraj and Andy, uh, who are members of something called the Knowledge Society, as well as Joey from the Knowledge Society. And we will finish off with PhD student Madhukar, and we'll come back and have a conversation about it after these. Rose City Politics is on location in the Mars Discovery Center with um, Siraj and Andy, who are both students at the Knowledge Society. Can you tell us what the Knowledge Society is? So essentially the Knowledge Society is like a human accelerator. So they're exposing a lot of teams to different emerging technologies like blockchain, machine learning, and artificial intelligence, which are really revolutionary right now. So they're essentially training students like ourselves in the competencies of finding an intersect between relative industries like business or healthcare or law or different things like that and the different emerging technologies that are available. So Another way to describe it is that there's Olympic athlete training. This is Olympic training for youth like ourselves to become the future CEOs and innovators of society. Yeah, so I'm not heard, sure if you guys have heard of unicorn companies, but basically they're like companies that are uh, under 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, that haven't been like formed for 10 years yet, but they're already valued over a billion dollars. Yeah. So essentially what they're trying to do is like create unicorn people. So essentially what that is is like people who are young and also, or actually it doesn't have to be young, but like people who impact billions. So essentially it's not making a billion dollars, but impacting a billion people. Okay, and who, um, who is behind the Knowledge Society? Oh, so it's two brothers, Naveed and Nadim Nathu, and basically their background, um, one of them, Nadim, his background is in um, consulting, he was an ex-consultant uh, at McKinsey, and the other brother, Naveed, was, um, he started his own company in Silicon Valley, and then it got acquired, and basically their goal was like, they wanted to create a program that they would, would have wanted when they were a kid. So how many people are in the organization? So this year they actually went like international. Okay. Um, so previously it was only in Toronto, but this year they've been, they're in Toronto, uh, Ottawa, New York, Boston, Las Vegas. I'm pretty sure in the Toronto location there's around like 200-ish. So there's four cohorts for first-year students. Or no, three cohorts for first-year students, sorry. Then there's one Activate cohort, so that's like the second-year program. And then there's a Disrupt cohort, which is like for like the third-year program. Okay. So I'd like to ask you folks, um, so you're both, I assume, planning to go to post-secondary? Yep. Once you graduate, and I know that's a little bit down the road, but once you graduate, uh, as you enter the, the workforce, what are you looking to do? 
Uh, I think for me personally, given that I have a really heavy interest in medicine, but also looking at emerging technologies, hopefully to work for some healthcare startup that's using some new biotechnology and be one of the forefront persons that's developing that technology, specifically for like research against cancer and just preventative diseases like that. Okay. Yeah, so before joining TKS, I was mainly like business oriented. I was thinking of going into like finance or maybe something like consulting or investment banking. But after like looking into some technologies, I think that like I actually want to make a difference in the world. So I want to use technologies such as like machine learning, blockchain to actually create an impact in the world. So I'm not sure where I'll end up, but I think I just want to join like maybe a startup or something to try to create a positive change. So we're here with Joey at the Elevate Conference in Toronto. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. I'm super interested in like different things um, and exploring like exponential technologies. So I'm part of the Knowledge Society, and basically what I'm really interested in about is the intersection of AI and quantifying biological data. Okay, and you're going to be studying what after you leave high school? Uh, something related to like bioinformatics. Okay. And so after you're done your scholastic career and looking to get into the business world, what, what would a community have to have to attract someone like you and working in an industry like you're going to be working in? Yeah, for sure. Uh, for me, I personally believe that a culture that kind of drives growth and drives innovation is kind of the um, optimized environment that I want to be a part of. Like, um, for instance, if you have a kind of like culture that drives collaboration, that you can get a lot more done than, for instance, for instance a culture that just drives um, like uh, competition based on like kind of like um, metrics. Okay. So can I ask a, I want to ask a specific question about that and just kind of drill down to it. So, so when you're talking about um, collaboration and a growth mindset, do you, uh, what do you think that means for a community's appetite for change? Yeah, for sure. So like um, a lot of things right now, especially in school, in my experience, it's kind of like this is the mark. It's 99. Like, like we only have like, you know, so many like 99s uh, uh, allocating the classroom, right? While like in the Knowledge Society, for, for instance, we really like value collaboration. We grow together. Like there's a lot of feedback and they're all really constructive and honest feedback. So like it's fine to be honest as long as you have a good intent. But like in the real world, we're not really being honest with people. We like we kind of put up this like fake, authentic, not really authentic face, right? And that's not it's not good to actually like drive growth. So authenticity is really important yeah, to you. Yeah, for sure. Okay, that's really interesting. I, can I ask a question about the um, your actual research interest? Yeah. Uh, so you're talking about the connection of AI um, with medical data. Yeah. So. Um, can you give us an example of what that might look like in concrete terms? So what kind of data would you want to be crunching and what would you hope to be the outcome? Yeah, for sure. So like if you're looking at like biometrics, like uh, face recognition or like fingerprint scan, um, these kind of things, we think straight to like security. But like security is just an application, but we don't realize that. Security is just, you know, one of the many things these data can be applied to, but like literally these data, biological data, can be applied to like recognizing like stroke, for instance. Okay, so um, so being able to identify a sign of stroke from a, from a, Space a CCTV camera yeah. Yeah. Um, and to be able to say, hey, you need to get yourself to an emergency room. <laughs> uh, um, of course, right now it seems a bit far-fetched, yeah. but like we're like getting closer and closer each day. Okay, so, terrific. Yeah. That's fascinating. So when you um, when you uh, are going into your career post post uh, graduation, yeah. um, what would you be looking for from an employer? Yeah. So like 
um, personally for me I want someone that's like really open to different ideas so not like a person that kind of like takes all and leads all but a person that really like values their employees um, kind of thoughts and like ideas okay terrific all right Joey thanks so much for your time today is there anything else you want to share with us uh, no <laughs> thank you so much okay, okay thanks a lot Rose City Politics at um, Elevate Toronto. We're here with Madhukar, who is a PhD student at York University. Madhukar, can you tell us a little bit about um, what you're studying? Uh, sure. I'm, uh, I'm working on 3D printing technology. I'm a graduate student. I'm in my final year PhD. So I'm developing simulation tools and the 3D printed parts at this moment are not ready for industrial use okay so there are some problems with 3d printed parts so i'm trying to develop tools how can we you know enhance the you know properties of printed parts so that's the main focus of my work uh, so it sounds to me like the work that you're doing is going to tie directly into um, advanced manufacturing yeah that's right so it's more on advanced manufacturing and smart Smart manufacturing is one of the, you know, happening area. That's also one of my research area. Okay, what, um, what kind of things are you looking for in an opportunity? So, I want you to think about things like um, what kind of community you want to live in, uh, what kind of, um, what kind of supports you'd like to see from an employer or from if you do go into business for yourself. What are the ingredients that you need in a community in order for it to be where you? locate your business or your or yourself as a professional a uh, couple of things first thing if i want to start my own business i need to have clients right yeah that's a major uh, thing for any business so um, i need to find the clients if the, you know it basically depends on the uh, you know location yeah. toronto is one of the you know Ontario in fact is one of the manufacturing hub in canada mm -hmm. it's good uh, you know for especially if i'm my research, you know, mechanical or manufacturing, it's good for, you know, most of the mechanical engineers. And the community is, like, you know, it's very uh, encouraging, like, you know, uh, funding is one of the main things mm -hmm. for any startup. And if the, you know, people who are interested uh, in, you know, starting a startup, so if they have enough capital from the investors, then it's good for the uh, people who, who is ready to, you know, launch startup. So that's uh, one thing. And also, uh, it's uh, cities and connected with, well, you know, uh, what I can say is, uh, you know, Toronto is a good, it's a good for IT as well as uh, for manufacturing too. Mm -hmm. So it is well very well connected with other major cities in the world so yeah. i can have i have a uh, you know opportunity to access the other uh, cities and the people clients in other cities so, so that's other thing that uh, i would say that you know mm -hmm. so access to capital yes and access to markets that, that's right yeah yeah okay yeah, those seem like pretty reasonable things to yeah. be looking yeah. for um so have any employers in Windsor ever reached out to you or connected with you? Uh, Windsor, no, I haven't been to. That's uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not very, you know, familiar, uh, familiar with that. But I have friends who have been working there, but who, 
yeah, we have experience, uh, you know, the atmosphere, you know, mm -hmm. we lived there for a couple of uh, months and, yeah. So you're finding in Windsor, we have a lot of tool and die companies, mold companies, things like that. Yeah. Uh, how far away do you think it's before the transformation happens to where the 3D printed parts kind of overtake that industry as a whole? Are we close or are we... Okay, now this is an interesting question which I can... I think <laughs> I'm very well qualified to answer this. Yeah. So, you know, 3D printing which is happening in the last decade, you know, even, let's say, if you have a part which is printed even a decade ago, which is any component which lifetime usually will be a couple of decades. Yeah. So, so far, what I think, what I think is this, Parts are not in, you know, in use for a more than not more than any decade, not more than a decade. Okay. But I mean that we do not. I mean, I do not. I don't know, but what what's uh, you know reliability of printed part? Yeah. Uh, is it really? I mean, uh, uh, very reliable. Is it still a question that I have? Yeah. I mean, since the you know we, it's a very revolutionary. Uh, revolutionizing you know technique yep. manufacturing techniques but at this moment I feel it's good if you're using in some cases but if you have to use a printed part in uh, where you know uh, in very uh, very critical uh, uh, you know parts so that's one thing we have to think very carefully before so the reason why I'm saying is that it's been just a decade which is happening but yeah. which is not uh, you know, we don't know what's uh, what's going to be how it's going to be after a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So that's okay. uh, main reason. Have you found any of the big tooling companies like the Magnus of the world and that? Have, are they starting to adapt some of your technology? Yeah, I uh, spoke to a couple of uh, more uh, you know major automobile ancillary companies uh, such as ABC, and mm -hmm. uh, they have been working on this. They have been trying to you know use the 3D printed parts for uh, you know. Uh, what do you call the spare parts manufacturing? Yeah. You know, it's a spare part. It's uh, if you have to maintain tools and dies for a longer time, so that's going to cost more for the companies, big companies. Yeah. So, if you can use this print, 3D printing technology for you know, you know, manufacturing display spare parts, so that's I think that helps the you know industries very well. Great. Okay. Thank you very much for your time. Once again, uh, that was a trio of interviews from students attending the Elevate Tech Festival. Uh, we heard first from uh, Andy and Siraj, then from the possibly the most enthusiastic person we met all week, uh, Joey, who are all participants in something called the Knowledge Society. Uh, and uh, that final clip that we just listened to was um, from Madukar, who is a PhD student at uh, York University. So, um, Don, in listening to those, uh, listening back to those conversations, what what jumps out at you? Uh, I should have studied harder in school. I don't know if it would have helped, buddy. No, probably not. Uh, yeah, very smart kids uh, studying. Th I, what I, what I really want to point out is uh, Joey and the first two uh, guys we talked to. They couldn't have been like 15 years old, 15, 16 years old. These weren't, you know, moderately older kids. These were kids, kids uh, studying things and involved in an organization that uh, I think is a really fabulous organization from what little I know about it and doing some really uh, interested in some really breakthrough technology stuff. 
Yeah, um, I, I was interested to hear um, what the ambitions of these young folks were um, and also uh, what they're looking for in an employer and looking for in a community. So uh, one of the things that, I, that, that jumped out at me loud and clear um, from, from all of these uh, uh, people that we talked to was that they were really looking for um, uh, to land in a place where innovation was something that was um, that was is part of the lifeblood of the community, where uh, change is in the air and where there's an opportunity to make a difference, improve yourself. And and uh, so I wonder what you think, Don. Um, what do we have to do in Windsor to attract that kind of that kind of, of talent from out of town? Yeah, that was interesting speaking with them because, like you had said, they're they're looking for a community that already has that someone who a community that's really engaged technology and with advanced anything. Pick whatever subject they were speaking about. Uh, so if you want to kind of drill it down to Windsor, uh, you know we've had we've had conversations politically and publicly about needing to attract uh, those kind of kids, those kind of industries, those kind of technologies. And I think what I what I personally took for from it is bringing people here is going to be very difficult if you haven't already started something here. Uh, to expect any of those kids to finish their studies and come to this community is probably not realistic because we would be counting on them to create the environment, create the community uh, that they're looking for. And I, I don't think they're going to be willing to, I don't think anyone's going to be willing to sacrifice time, effort, and career goals to set that up for a community that they really have no connection to. So I think, I think it would be important to take from that, that whatever Windsor decides to do, we need to focus on what's here already, build up what little we have right now into something bigger. And just by osmosis and law of large numbers, that's when you'll start to attract those kind of people. Uh, but like I said, right now to expect them just be, to come because, you know, we're here and we have cheap houses probably not going to pan out. So to be honest with you about this, um, and with apologies in advance to all of our, our um, friends, colleagues, um, and fellow residents of Windsor, before we attended this festival, um, I was really questioning, you know, what's the point of, um, you know, what is the point of, of Windsor companies and Windsor people attending it? And, and is this something that is, um, is really going to bring value? But, but I'm glad that we went because I really do think that there is value in bringing the Windsor story to an event like this and um, having an opportunity to talk to people um, and, and also to, um, to hear what people are looking for and what their, um, what their ambitions are. I think that um, we, you know, there were several companies in Windsor, um, one of whom we managed to, uh, to, to talk to, but there were many companies in Windsor who were attending um, the, uh, there were a couple of local organizations, uh, WeTech and the uh, Economic Development Corporation had folks in attendance. And, uh, you know, to me, I think that it's, it's worth the expense of resources as long as we're going there with the intent of um, making connections for our community. That's true. And I think, uh, you know, I'll just take my industry, for instance, I'm in real estate. When we go to these conferences and connections, it's really about networking and, uh, you know, just trying to connect with other real estate agents and other, other areas. Uh, I, th I would like to think on a bigger picture, something that, you know, any of these tech corp companies that went or any of these uh, tech organizations from Windsor that went, it would almost be a learning experience for them. Uh, I hope they talked to the same kind of people we spoke to and, you know, asked somewhat similar questions. 
Uh, I mean, we've discussed this. I don't know if we've discussed it on the show. We probably have, but, I mean, we've had these personal discussions because obviously you're very involved in the tech community in Windsor and just because of the nature of, uh, of the company you run that, you know, it, it doesn't seem that even the tech companies in this area, uh, I don't want to say work together, but there doesn't seem to be a big community. Uh, again, I'll go back to my industry, real estate. All, real estate people all know each other. Uh, a lot of us hang out with each other. It's just the nature of the beast. And I don't know. Maybe you can answer this question more for me. But I would, I, from what little I know about the high tech companies and the computer companies and the automation companies, there doesn't seem to be one central kind of hub or place where they all kind of hang out and gather and kind of trade ideas and try to make you know whatever they're doing better. Well. You know, I'll say this. I think that um, uh, it's it's easy to look at what's happening in Windsor and um, and be cynical. Um, but the the truth is that uh, we we've come a long way in the last half dozen years or so in terms of um, the tech community uh, knowing about itself, mm -hmm. um, the tech community knowing who else uh, is part of that community and what they do. We've we've got a long way to go. There's no question. Um, and my concern about that stuff is that we started from a low base, um, and I'm not sure that we're um, that we're you know the ball is rolling fast enough for us to catch up with some communities who have um, have maybe had a little bit more success and have a little bit more growth in this industry. But um, you know I, I've been working in the industry for close to 20 years and mostly in Windsor and and. Uh, um, it's a far cry from where it used to be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, things, things are improving, but there's so much opportunity, um, for us to improve. And I think that's a great introduction for this next clip. Um, we had a chance to talk to Sarah of Wrangle.io. Uh, I guess the company is just called Wrangle, um, about the company that she works for and the way that they contribute to the tech ecosystem of the city. So let's listen to that and we can continue this conversation on the other side. So in terms of background, I'm with Wrangle. I'm one of the digital strategy consultants and um, you might know us as kind of something between a dev shop and a consultancy so we're a pretty active player in the space but um, in terms of my own role I work with the consulting group to figure out how we're going to add value to not just our ecosystem but globally tech so we opened up our new offices in January um, my own background is probably relevant to the ecosystem questions that you were asking about um, so I started at University of Toronto in the medical space uh, moved into medical diagnostic software here at Mars, and then um, actually met Wrangle at one of these events. So um, I've worked at a couple other smaller startups in Toronto, but in terms of an ecosystem, I think that it's as much about giving back as it is from benefiting from the talent pool. And to be able to build it, it's kind of like the whole chicken and egg situation, right? Like how do you foster knowledge sharing and give back to the community when you're still trying to attract talent and build up your own offering? Um, Wrangle was born out of a meetup community. So our CEO, about six years ago, um, he gathered the best and brightest in the space, uh, which was modern JavaScript um, and kind of uh, computer science, like information and backend architects that really understood how to solve business problems using technology. So it was just a group, small group of friends. Um, they were helping very large enterprises navigate to modern technology that would allow them to innovate. Um, so it was less so about like a tactical, you know, let's build something for you and more of a how, what are you trying to accomplish one year, two, three years out and how can we help enable you long term for that. Um, so you've opened some offices yep. around the world right. recently. Uh, let me see if I got this right. Tokyo, 
Yes. Yes. Atlanta. Yes. Yes. And Instagram was in there, I believe. You remember the Amsterdam. fancy one? Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. So, um, so uh, Wrangle has expanded. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you look for in a community when you're um, going to move into that community? So we weren't too closely involved with the expansion discussions, but I remember some of the higher level ones is existing, um, like you have to have an existing culture that fosters growth and learning. So other companies that we're looking for in that space are already doing their best to attract and give back to talent. Um, Universities that put a focus on innovation. Um, Amsterdam was a little bit unique because it's also primarily English speaking and so it was easy for us to kind of land and expand with the culture that we have here. So we don't want to have a model where we're franchising out what Wrangle does. if you understand that you have a unique value, find a place where that fits well and can contribute a lot. In Atlanta, it was a good de- decision because we have primarily uh, clients in the United States. And not only is it a hub of activity, but if you look at what's happening in the Atlanta tech ecosystem, it's probably Toronto five years ago. So universities are setting up their campus-linked accelerators. They're starting to have these pop-up hubs very similar to Mars, or what we call regional innovation centers. And when government and universities and companies come together and put that kind of like walking the walk uh, investment behind building this ecosystem, then you know that um, it's really about execution. And Wrangle has done a fantastic job of, of fostering it here in Toronto. So we know if that there, there's an initiative to get behind, we're definitely going to be first movers and helping it grow. Um, so picking out the locations for the for the new offices was a lot about one where we do business, but also um, the cities and the townships that we picked were very focused on cultures that we could contribute to. Um, because if we land somewhere and it's it, there isn't a good synergy in terms of not just what we do but how we help individuals, um, you know, there's limited impact in, in what we're going to be able to do. Okay, uh, so I want to ask just a little bit about your talent. Right. Um, so, how do you find your workforce? Creatively, um, we've got the talent team here. More than happy to make an introduction after, but um, it's pretty holistic. So, as opposed to you know, paid advertising or trying to get the word out in terms of everything that we do um, and and benefits and like the culture. We'll never sell you on Friday socials and the ping pong table, right? Um, It's more, it's more what you get out of working here. So I kind of refer to Wrangle as like a everlasting graduate program. Like if you join, the culture of learning is not just outward facing. We're not here exclusively to train up the community. Nick Carey, our CEO, he carries that um, tenant or core value of our culture into everything that happens. So like we've got weekly guilds about artificial intelligence, like fast moving technologies that might not be our core offering in terms of services, but it's really important because we attract top technology leaders who want to continue staying on top of the latest and greatest tech. So we need to make sure that that's something that's like built into our ecosystem. And then through these events, we also champion people to be able to talk. So if you take a look at our employees, like uh, a lot of them speak at, you know, industry renowned conferences. Some of the people who are contributing to Google's framework Angular, they've, you know, helped up, help build up the tools that um, maintain that library. And then like with React, we've got people who teach React professionally on um, online courses like Udemy, but they're known for being able to train up like, you know, MOOC, like massive online courses. So um, it's kind of 
uh, synergy. Like pe by the time people want to work for us, they kind of already know everything that we do, and it's just uh, getting them up to speed in terms of how we service clients. Less so, you know, we're leaders in technology. That part's established by how they interface with us at industry events, meetups, um, taking courses with us. One really great way that we've been able to attract talent is a program called Bridge. Um, it's a few years in now, and the concept behind it was uh, there's a lot of females entering the workforce and technology, and a lot of movement has been made in our community in Toronto to make sure that women feel, you know, welcome uh, within the development space. But it's usually to get them into junior levels. We rarely see female CTOs. We don't see a lot of technical directors uh, that are women. So. That there is still that disparity and Wrangell set up an entire after work program that was all by volunteers of employees um, to make sure that these women were one technically trained up to a level that they could lead and then two teaching them the management skills and you know everything from how to hire how to fire how to like manage a team so that they could then go and achieve those roles and it's not only at our company like obviously those graduates are released into the network of Toronto's talent so a lot of those uh, bridge graduates are hired by not just competitors but like our own clients and um, other people within our professional. Okay, uh, Sarah, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Is there anything that you <coughs> want to add? Nothing I can think of. <laughs> okay, thanks very much. Again. No worries. Okay, uh, that was Sarah of Wrangle um, talking about her company and the way that they invest in the communities that they are a part of. So, um, uh, Don, what did you um, what did you take away from that discussion? Uh, bit of the same thing. I mean, it's, uh, again, she, she spoke about when we asked her about what kind of communities they were looking to kind of branch off into. Obviously, I mean, they're moving into big markets, Amsterdam, Atlanta, Toronto, and, uh, I I, Boston in there. There was another big one in there somewhere. And, uh, you know, obviously our, our community is going to be challenged just through, through sheer size. Uh, I think this kind of leads Back to a conversation we had when the uh, whole Amazon bid was going on, I think probably our best option is to work as close as we can with Detroit and kind of market the area as uh, as kind of a combined area. And, you know, I don't want to say ride their coattails a bit, but that would give us some scale that we're never going to have just based off of sheer population size. Yeah, I think um, that's a really good point. Um, proximity to Detroit is probably our strongest asset in terms of opportunities to build our tech community. Um, we're going to hear from uh, some folks from Hamilton ECDEV a little bit later, and uh, proximity to Toronto is something that they have benefited from. And I think similarly, um, we can be creative and work at it and find success across the border or working with folks across the border. Um, uh, one thing, you know, I took a few things from this conversation. Um, you know, obviously, um, the Sarah is an employee of Wrangell. She's promoting her company, but um, the uh, the 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 ethos of um, giving back and uh, and the the understanding that that company has um, that it needs to grow and nurture the people in the community in order for it to find the talent and that it's okay to nurture talent and sometimes that talent is going to leave. Um, I wish that more companies in Windsor um, in this the tech space would would take that on board um, and think about ways that they can give back to the community. And I don't mean, um, you know, uh, by by taking part in in charity events or um, you know doing uh, doing things like that, participating in in community events. I, I'm talking about actually um, contributing to helping build uh, a, a vibrant tech community in in our city. And that was the thing that I thought was the most inspiring 
about um, Sarah's comments. Um, it's it's really interesting to hear the reasons why um, a company would consider one community over another. And I think all of that really reinforces for me how important it is for Windsor um, to work on itself and build itself up um, because we're, you know, as you mentioned, alluded to a little earlier, we're going to have a hard time um, attracting investment and competing with some of the more established communities um, until we have built something um, in our community that uh, that is is attractive to them. And, and I think we've got a little bit of ways to go, um, but uh, I certainly think that that interview helps point uh, the direction that um, at least some things that private businesses for, you know, we hold, um, we hold NGOs and we hold um, municipal government and different levels of government accountable, but um, businesses and, and business owners in this space, you have a responsibility to, and you have an opportunity to do a lot for your community and also benefit your own bottom line in the long term. So I really hope that, um, that others will think about that. You got anything else to share on this one, Don? Uh, I guess just to wrap it up, I mean, it's kind of the same comments that I had when uh, we were interviewing the kids in the first segment. Uh, they all said, and Sarah from Wrangell kind of pinpointed this too, is, you know, Wrangell's doing these after work programs for the betterment of themselves and for the betterment of his community and whole as a whole. And, uh, and that's what the young kids we spoke with are looking for. They're looking to get into a community that has a culture and has, you know, a culture and a community that will help push them and give them the opportunity to do what they want to do. And uh, I guess just to kind of piggyback on your comments, I, I don't I don't know. And if I'm wrong, I apologize. If you're out there, feel free to let us know. But I don't see a lot of the big, and I, it, regardless of whether it's a tech or an engineering or an automation company, I don't see a lot of stuff that in this community they're doing on their own to try to help out the community specific to them and their business and grow their prospects going forward. I feel a lot of times uh, Windsor businesses kind of grow, get to a certain successful level and then just kind of level off and they're happy just being there. There doesn't seem to be this go, go, go. We want to get bigger, 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 bigger. And this is, this is the stuff we have to do outside of just, you know, selling more products to make uh, our company grow and our whole culture and industry as a whole grow. Yeah, I mean, in the defense of our industry, um, I think you do see some of the bigger firms uh, making those investments. Um, particularly, you know, I think about First Robotics, was probably which is probably one of the um, the best um, programs in our community for um, building the talent pipeline and nurturing uh, young minds. Um, and there are some companies that, from the very first, have made big investments in that. And when you start to think about who those companies are, and Centerline is one that jumps out at me. Um, they're bigger, uh, and it is harder for smaller firms to um, to spare resources because they're, of course, operating off from such a like in a smaller mm-hmm. uh, smaller universe than a than a company with um, with tons and tons and tons of revenue and lots of employees. Um, it's really hard if you only have a handful of employees to then you know to not only work on. Um, keeping your business alive and thriving, but also to um, nurturing the community. So part of the issue is is not that um, you know I want to be clear. I don't think that that business owners and and uh, and management in the tech industry in Windsor are lazy or stupid or don't care. It's that they're not operating on a scale where maybe um, it's as easy to do this. Um, however, I think that um, we maybe have to 
have to stretch ourselves a little bit more and work a little bit harder on it. So we're going to take a break um, now. We're going to just take a break for our um, weekly calendar of events. And when we come back, we're going to get a little bit more local. We uh, will be hearing from local companies, um, from the local economic development corporation, and then a little bit of inspiration uh, from the folks at Hamilton Ecdev. Uh, this is Rose City Politics, and we will see you on the other side. Welcome to this week's Rose City Politics events calendar. Thursday, September 26th. The Ward 4 meeting is at the Royal Canadian Legion, Branch 143. Friday, September 27th. Earth Strike Windsor is at Charles Clark Square. Amherstburg Uncommon is at King's Navy Yard Park. Live French Parte is at Mackenzie Hall. Detroit Symphony Orchestra presents Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back in Concert. Concho, Carbon Memory, Jalax, and My Dear Friend are at Fog. Windsor Hum, Lolo Danger Band, and TDB are at Green Bean Cafe. Saturday, September 28th, it's the Ruthven Apple Festival. Culture Days Tecumseh is at the Tecumseh Heritage Center. Community Storytelling Event, Windsor's Historic Places, is at Museum Windsor. Rude Boy, Film Screening and Q&A, is at MOCAD. The 45 Special, with DJ AA, is at Meteor. Sunday, September 29th, Surf Curse and Dirt Buyer are at Deluxe Flux. Tuesday, October 1st, the Ward 9 meeting is at Roseland Public School. The next regular City Council meeting is Monday, October 7th. Check out Rose City Politics on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to premium content on Patreon. If you'd like your event featured here, please contact us through social media. Welcome back to Rose City Politics. Uh, This week we are discussing our visit to the Elevate Tech Festival in Toronto, which is still going on, I believe. Um, And uh, uh, Rose City Politics is brought to you with the kind support of Lyuna Local 625, uh, Building Better Communities. And we are broadcasting live uh, and a little bit on tape from Reno's Kitchen. Uh, We are specifically in the kitchen studios above uh, Reno's Kitchen. Um, So, Don, just before we go back into the clips, and and we are going to get a little bit more local now, um, talk a little bit to me about about, um, what you thought about the Elevate Conference in terms of um, going in there as a representative of Rose City Politics. How did you find that? Uh, It was was interesting. Uh, We had the big passage that say media on it, which is kind of confusing to me uh, because, you know, (laughs) sometimes I don't think we're media, but I guess we are. Uh, It was nice to have access to everything and everybody uh, so we can kind of walk around and wander in and out anywhere we wanted to go without having to, you know, be specific. Uh, Unfortunately, Michelle Obama refused my interview request. And uh, Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg were in a very smoky green room. That is, uh, is refused my interview request the way that you explain being, uh, you know, elbowed into a car by a security person. For the record, I could have taken those guys. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, you know, it was nice, and I would like to see it. Uh, you know, I would like to see us do more of that. Uh, obviously, we can't afford to just you know disappear to Toronto for a few days on our, our very tight budget we have here. 
But uh, I mean, even you know, there's com- things like this that go on in Detroit and even Windsor. So it'd be nice just to go out and get. You know, sometimes we get so bogged down in our own little weeds here that it's nice to go out and get opinions from different people in different areas and from different you know different perspectives. And uh, it you know it's we learn something. I think everybody learns something. And it's and you know if we can do something that maybe encourages this community to be a little bit better, uh, not a bad thing. For sure. Um, we and had... for the record, when the Indy race comes up, I will also be applying for press passes. So if uh, someone could help me out there, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> RCP goes to Indy. Uh, we had, uh, you know, it was interesting to have conversations with people about what we are and what we do and why we would want to be talking to people at this tech festival. It was all very interesting. I did find it was easier to get interviews once we made stickers that said Globe and Mail uh, (laughs) and covered over Rose City Politics on the badges. Um, So uh, we did not have a hard time um, speaking to this next interview subject. Uh, Alan Ali is a uh, solution architect at Data Realm, which is a good local tech company. And we talked to him about... um, what, what he was uh, experiencing at Elevate, and also um, some of his thoughts on this tech community. Let's listen. Rose City Politics at Elevate. We are here with Alan Ali of Data Realm. Um, Alan, can you tell us uh, what you do at Data Realm? Uh, hi, um, I'm a, a solution architect. Uh, before that, I was a systems integrator. Uh, so basically, uh, we uh, take data from uh, manufacturing sources, machines, uh, assembly workers, uh, anything on the line that uh, generates data, uh, we can uh, give reports on that on that data or move that data into other reporting systems. So going going home to Windsor um, from a conference like this, and I understand that um, folks from your company are going to be here throughout the week at different times to yeah. uh, to pick up on on um, different sessions. What um, what, as a tech worker in Windsor, um, what do you want to take back home um, and share with your peers? Well, I mean, for my company, I'm trying to take a look and see what kind of Lego bricks that there are to sure. bring back to uh, to build solutions. Um, I think you're, you're curious about um, the tech industry in Windsor in general, and um, I think it's it's underserved versus like you come to Toronto and there's so much um, so much going on here in innovation that um, it'd be good to bring some of that back to Windsor to know what okay you know here is here's the the, the potential for data science or here's the potential to, to apply machine learning what does that look like here is this ten- technology or here's this technology and and having access to those kind of blocks to build solutions. Yeah, so um, more professional development might be good, uh, having opportunities for more professional development in our community and just seeing other shops who are, are doing stuff that, that you can pick up on. Yeah, and, and the potential to, to partner with with other companies to be able to, to provide a solution. You know, if there's a company that specializes in this versus everybody trying to get off the ground running with... Um, a little bit of this and a little bit of that and, and not really getting traction, but being able to everybody themselves be, be bricks to, to build a solution. How long have you been working in the industry? Uh, been a data around close to 15 years. Um, probably, let's say, 17, 18 years. 
And uh, so we're of a similar vintage in the industry in Windsor. Um, I've spent most of my career working in Windsor as well, um, in, in the similar field. So what do you think that journey has been like for you? And what, what do you think, um, what would you like to see different for those newbies who are now in their first year or second year that, that what their 15 to 18 year journey looks like? What would you like to see Windsor do to help new people in the field? Well, I think that there are uh, more opportunities. Uh, the The environment in Windsor and in Detroit is starting to grow. Um, I think it's important to hit the ground running um, and try to build up even some some entry level experience um, to get your foot in in the door because it's still a tight market in Windsor. Um, I'd like to see um, obviously more companies come to Windsor and understand. That it, it's a perfect environment uh, to to grow, being cross border and having a university there. Uh, there's a lot of talent that unfortunately uh, leaves when I graduated. Uh, most of my class left. Um, I was fortunate to find a company and be able to um, be flexible to find the niche that worked for me. Um, whereas now uh, there are more opportunities. Um, for, for specific niches like data analysis, AI, augmented reality, um, they never existed before. So, I mean, that's, it's a good thing. I think you have to kind of do, like a, kind of, kind of like a, a business person, be your own uh, advocate and, and push uh, or, or try to network to be able to say, hey, there's this technology that I'm interested in have you guys ever thought about that? Now the world's changing. Are you are you going to change with it? Have you thought about this? Sure. You folks are one of the bigger software shops in our community, which sounds crazy to say, but it's true. <laughs> um, you're one of the bigger software shops in the community, but there are so many people working in um, in isolation. Uh, so many folks who are the the one tech person at their employer, or there's there's two of them or three of them, um, and I think it's a lot harder sometimes to have that um, professional development happen inside your firm when you're so small. And so many of our, our developers are in that situation and often working for employers who aren't tech employers and who may not have the background and experience to be able to provide the right kind of mentoring. Well, I think that's a that's a, a bigger issue that I don't have. I don't have a a real good answer for, but uh, the problem being that you have a lot of um, siloed or, or individual developers, but um, Windsor doesn't historically have a tech attitude. It's uh, generations of blue-collar workers, uh, and uh, a lot of the intellectual people that I know that have grown up in Windsor tend to um, gravitate towards engineering, and that's more uh, socially acceptable in Windsor, uh, and people understand that versus um, programming or, or other other similar technologies, and so you'll you'll have a lot of these people that are uh, very skilled in what they do, being managed in companies where they don't understand the process. Um, so that make that that adds another level of difficulty. If you can't get a development team up off the ground if you don't have somebody that knows how to manage a developer. Right? Yep, I think that's very true. Is there anything else that you'd like to say about um, about the tech industry in Windsor and what we could do? I think I think we've got some stuff that's already started that's good, like WeTech, 
Um, you know, there I've been seeing first robotics groups popping up. I think that's a good start. Um, I'd like to see enticing more more software companies to Windsor. You know, trying to to lead by providing those those possibilities. I don't know if, if Windsor is doing enough to market itself in that respect. You know, this is pulling so some of the opportunities right now that these larger companies that have come to Detroit, they're pulling they're pulling talent from around the world because it's a global market and not really looking at local talent as far as I've seen. And I don't know if we're doing enough to market the potential of Windsor for technology around the world or around even Ontario. Uh, you know, a lot of people think, okay, it's technology. Where do I want to go? I want to go to um, the Waterloo Kitchener region. I want to go to Ottawa. I want to go to Toronto. You know, and Windsor. Oh, Windsor's just that like, you know, place that you know it's all factories. Like, there's nothing really there. To an extent, you know that that has been the past, but things are changing now. And I don't think outside of, of our our community people see that or at least I don't know that they do great stuff thank you very much for your time today Alan Alan Ali of Data Realm uh, sharing his thoughts on the tech industry and the state of the tech industry in Windsor um, I knew Alan would be insightful I've actually known him for uh, quite some time the the um, the tech community is small but the community of folks who have um, a certain amount of experience and incumbency uh, is even smaller and and we actually uh, used to participate in a dinner group for um, senior developer resources in uh, in Windsor Essex and uh, Don how do you how big do you think the table was at those events uh, well when I go to my Illuminati meetings it's usually about 20 people so I assume you you senior tech guys are probably about the same thing what do you think maybe there's eight people there was about eight of us yeah <laughs> yeah uh, and you had a good you had a good fraction at the time this is going back this is going back maybe uh, six or seven years but at the time that was a good fraction of the people um, working in the space so um, so I really value Alan's perspective and I think uh, he hit on a, a number of things that we've talked about before on this show and I think that um, it would be really good for folks in Windsor to um, to hear and to think about um, some of the challenges that we have are um, that so many of the uh, software shops are smaller so many of our tech shops are so many of our tech workers are working in ones and twos and it makes it really hard to get the kind of professional development that you need to advance in your career as fast as you possibly can especially when you're not working for an employer who understands technology so um, you know with all due respect to uh, Don Maryfield junior.com and uh, uh, your your um, IT support I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure that that uh, just to take an example you know I'm sure that the, the folks who deliver your IT support um, don't have uh, the kind of opportunity that somebody in Toronto or Atlanta or whatever would to advance themselves professionally. Definitely not because I am my IT support community <laughs> and my programming community and you have never once invited me to that fancy dinner that you guys had. 
<laughs> okay, we'll we'll keep that in mind the next time the uh, the next time the invitations are going out. Uh, anyway, I thought that was uh, that was really good. I don't have a whole lot to add to it. Um, the last two uh, interviews that we did, and we are going to go a little long tonight, um, are the most interesting to me because I think that this is a good conversation about where, um, how the, we are marketing our community and how we need to market it in the future. So first we're going to hear from um, Wendy Stark of the Windsor-Essex Economic Development Corporation. Wendy was kind enough to sit down and chat with us for a few minutes about the reasons why um, Weed C is at Elevate and um, what they're trying to accomplish. Rose City Politics is here at Elevate. We are speaking to Wendy Stark of the Windsor-Essex Economic Development Corporation. How are you, Wendy? I'm good, thank you. Um, Wendy, what is, what is Weed C hoping to get out of uh, attending this festival? So I think what we're looking for is to, I think what we're looking for is to connect with um, businesses that are looking to um, to expand, uh, for one thing, uh, and uh, proposing Windsor-Essex is a great location for their um, for their operations, should they wish to do that. Also connecting with companies that maybe just are just starting out and they're looking maybe for a home. And, uh, you know, outside of, outside of the GTA possibly, it's a little bit less expensive to live and it's the type of industry where you, it depends more on um, your um, talent than um, you know, than where physically you are in proximity to certain things. Uh, so, in speaking before we started recording this interview, you mentioned that you have attended some of the sessions here. I did. Um, I want to ask you: Are you picking up anything that you think might be good for us to consider doing in Windsor, Essex? Actually, to be honest, I went to two sessions, and it was really more uh, along the lines of um, just thinking about your product differently and uh, maybe thinking of it not so much as a product but as a service. So this is something that, you know, in speaking with our uh, existing local companies and what they want to do and with their future plans is is maybe sort of promoting that idea as to think of their, thinking of it not so much as a product but what what that can do. Uh, just sort of turning that thing around a little bit, turning the mentality around a little bit. So that's something that we can, in speaking with our companies, we can do that. Uh, and then the other session was really more along the lines of, of just in, uh, disruption in general. Um, so how um, how disruption, uh, how uh, growth in, in itself causes disruption, maybe more than the reverse. That's interesting. We've had uh, some conversations with young people today and... and growth and disruption are some of the things mm -hmm. that they mentioned. Um, in, in talking to them, we heard a few of the uh, ingredients that they're looking for in a community. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I wonder if you want to comment on what we could do in Windsor-Essex to, um, to move forward in terms of um, being seen as an innovative community outside of our own borders. Right, and I think that is an issue, is, is that even internally, we don't always see how innovative we are. Um, Companies individually and people individually are are, um, are innovative in their own ways, but uh, it's more sort of uh, drawing a, a, a circle around it or an umbrella over it uh, and, and showing uh, collectively how we're an innovative community. So, yeah, sort of recognizing that amongst ourselves and then finding a way to talk to others about it um, and, and, yeah, having a sort of seeing beyond our own borders. It is a challenge for sure. Um, but I think we have a lot of pieces of that puzzle that would be attractive. 
So what can we do? Um, what can organizations like uh, the Economic Development Corporation or uh, people in the community, what can we do to help um, make that perception different? Well, I think um, we have to watch our own conversations and we have to um, pay attention to what we're expressing to the wider, uh, wider world and, and really change the conversation, change the way we talk about it. Um, and then the other part is sort of working together and, and, and everybody rowing in the same direction and, and sort of saying a lot of the same things um, and just sort of, uh, uh, yeah, just sort of um, um, working, working together, not at cross purposes. So do you think there's a role for uh, your organization in helping to build that uh, collaboration in our community? Absolutely, absolutely. So that, that's what we try and do every day is, is collaborate with other organizations and, 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 uh, and there are others that do that as well. So I think we're in the right, on the right path. Um, we just have to uh, maybe uh, broaden it a little bit more and speak a little bit louder you know, and, and, and uh, thump our own chest a little bit more than we do. Have you found with the people you've been speaking with, like some of the bigger corporations, is there a desire to get out of some of the major metropolis areas and kind of maybe go to smaller uh, communities just for like cost of living and things like that? For sure, definitely. Um, you know, there are, uh, it's not just cost of living, but it's, um, it's um, just having that community where you know people more you know it's not mm -hmm. it's not so much uh, strangers and people say hello to each other and, and that kind of thing it just and it sort of depends too it always depends when you're trying to attract businesses um there's various types of clients that we have and some are like major corporations where they're just going to send people to one to a particular place then there are others where they're going to go themselves or their family members are going to go and then it becomes much more important what the community is like and, and what it feels like to live there Okay. So, if any of these companies you've talked to, uh, were they aware of Windsor before speaking with you? Is it on their radar map, kind of thing? Um, to be just to be honest, haven't spoken to a lot of okay. people here today. Yeah. Yet. It's been a little bit quiet, but um, uh, in general, in general, it it is. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it sort of depends on the situation. But yeah. It depends on where they're, how far away they are, and it depends on the sector. Yeah. Too. So, yeah. Um, you know, for automation is one sector where we're trying to really raise awareness so they're maybe not maybe not so much aware that Windsor has such a large automation cluster so that's that's one sector where we need to mm -hmm. you know promote a little bit more when we look at some of the companies that are here from Windsor um, there are some uh, some firms that are leading the way in our community in automation so uh, just as one example data realm are yeah. here I spoke to one of their uh, solution architects mm -hmm. today and um, I think their primary reason for being here is networking and gaining sure. and sharing knowledge. So do you think that kind of thing is, is helpful for, for um, folks in Windsor to reach out wider, more widely than their own community? Absolutely, absolutely. And so, so um, bringing companies to something like this is, uh, you know, is important. And, and uh, if there's a role that we can play, we like to, to do that when we can. I know WeTech um, brought a number of companies with them, and that's, that's great. Um, Data Realm was also at our um, Emerging Technologies and Automation. They were exhibiting there, which was uh, which was nice to see. Um, but yeah, that's that's you really have to see outside of your own uh, borders, you know, to really grow. I think. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us about uh, innovation and Windsor? Well, I think uh, you know it's we're a, we're a community to watch, you know, and and uh, it's um, it's going to be an exciting time, I think, in the next few years. Okay. Yeah. Thanks very much. Ha, <laughs>
So we very much appreciate um, Wendy Stark of the Economic Development Corporation um, appearing um, in, a, in an interview with us. In fact, is that the first time somebody from the Windsor-Essex Economic Development Corporation has been on this show? I would believe so. Uh, I don't think it's the first time we've requested somebody, but I think it's the first time uh, they've actually said yes. And of course, we kind of just pounced on her up there on the second floor. And she kind of had to talk. Well, um, now that we have broken the seal, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully I, they'll come back. Yeah, hopefully uh, those folks will come back. It was very interesting to hear from Wendy um, what the um, what the Economic Development Corporation um, thinks about Windsor and what Windsor needs to do next. Um, so this this next and this is the the final clip from our time at Elevate. Um, is a really interesting kind of way to build on that last one. So we spoke to Carolyn Reed of uh, Hamilton Economic Development. And for those who aren't um, up on Hamilton, over the last uh, half decade or so, Hamilton has really um, developed uh, an excellent software scene. And um, they've experienced a ton of growth, a ton of job growth in that industry and consequently growth in their economy. Um, So we wanted to talk to Carolyn to understand um, how they got there and what the obstacles were on the way. Let's listen. Uh, Rose City Politics here at Elevate. Uh, We are speaking to Carolyn Reed of Hamilton Economic Development. How are you, Carolyn? I'm great. How are you? Doing very well. Um, So is this your first year at Elevate or have you been here before? First year for our city uh, to be at Elevate, yes. Uh, What's your experience been so far? It's been good. I was uh, obviously collision came to Toronto uh, earlier this year in May, and this has been something that we also saw an opportunity to participate in. And the energy is good. Uh, the interest is solid. The speakers are exceptional, and this opportunity to exhibit as a municipality to talk, tell our story is uh, is a great opportunity. Over the past um, five to ten years, the software industry in Hamilton has really taken off. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Yes. Um, What do you think a community like Windsor could learn from Hamilton's experience over the last decade? Well, what people that are investing in our city will say is that you you can get things done in Hamilton. Uh, Not only is our schools producing the talent, Do we have the sense of space for companies to land? Uh, 10, 14 plus co-working spaces that are all privately led. But when you come into our city as a new company, all the community stakeholders work well together. Uh, The interests of the company are first and foremost. We don't appear to be tripping over each other. Um, We have one common objective and that's to drive investment. So um, I'm proud to be part of that. Uh, obviously, but uh, so from an ecosystem and an environment, uh, it's extremely healthy and supportive. There's also the other reality that we've seen as Toronto is getting saturated and as it is expensive, uh, we've seen people migrate our way with the increased transit uh, and live in buy homes and establish themselves. And then they look to uh, making the commute, setting up satellite offices. So we're benefiting from the migration that's coming our way. Okay, so proximity to the GTA is something that works for Hamilton that probably wouldn't work for Windsor. Uh, We can't really move our city. No. Um, 
But uh, I think that at least in the past, um, Hamilton had a similar trajectory to Windsor as an industrial town that um, experienced the North America-wide downturn in, in industry and particularly in employment and industry. So one of the challenges that we have in Windsor is um, youth retention and talent retention. We have two post-secondary institutions that turn out great, smart people, um, but we do have a little bit of a challenge um, keeping them in, down on yeah. the farm. Yeah. Is that an experience that Hamilton has had in the past? We, we had that, um, but what has changed in the last probably five years is uh, we are now considered the most diversified economy in the country, and the Conference Board of Canada says that. So that degree of diversity, some of it is foundational, building on our traditional uh, strengths of building and making things. Uh, so whether it was steel supply chain opportunities, whether it was appliances or car parts or whatever, uh, now you're also seeing us making food and food-related products. So our uh, food and beverage sector is, is quite strong. 60% of Hamilton is agricultural, rural land. Um, and we're seeing creative economies. We're seeing the strengths of our schools and health. Uh, we have the most research-intensive university and college, so that is drawing talent. That is producing commercialization outcomes in knowledge economies. And then on top of that, you have the university that has bought 55 acres near um, the campus from when Camco used to make appliances. They bought those, so that loss uh, has now become a research park environment where the university is planting their strengths in particular in engineering and in health sciences. So what has happened? Uh, it's very much, it goes to what I said initially, it's a community thing. Uh, everybody recognizing we own a part of this, the university and the college stepping up uh, and supporting this from building the talent pipelines. Uh, and those indicators are there, right? Uh, in terms of, I said, research intensity, uh, also speaking to the college's uh, application-based stuff and late and workforce-ready talent. All of that uh, has helped us. And being part of the GTHA has helped us and uh, has always helped us. So that's where uh, we've seen the change come from. When you were, when Hamilton was trying to kind of move in a new direction, did you get any pushback from some of the, even in the community, from kind of veering away from some of the traditional industries that were always there in Hamilton? Like, why aren't you focusing on those ones as opposed to going in this new direction or investing oh, yeah. in those ones? We, we had, and in food and beverage processing, for example, we had uh, an example that was going to bring a thousand jobs, but there was an, a rendering component to the business model that as much as we wanted a thousand low-skilled, semi-skilled uh, job opportunities, there was concerns about the business model. So we, we've had it on both sides. Uh, we used to look at a win to replace a number of acres on Burlington Street, which is our industrial heartland, that would, that would create thousands of jobs. We've had to take a shift in what a win is. And a win is not a big fish. A win is a number of fish that add up to. And that took, uh, th that was quite a transition as, as communities, you're somewhat in culture shock, right? Yeah. Like you've lost 
thousands of jobs because of change. Councils are responding to constituents. Management feels pressure, and it's a vicious circle. But as we've seen investment come in, and the type of investment, again, not the thousand wins, but multiples of 10 or whatever, you're seeing uh, the look and feel of your city change, and people start to relax and like where we're going. But it took took some time. I I won't say that it didn't. It took some time. I want to ask about, I want to follow up on that and ask about the media landscape. So um, we don't know a whole lot about the media landscape in Hamilton, but um, uh, I wonder how much of a role did your local media play in having those conversations about uh, the need for change and the need to embrace the new? This is a, it's not a tough question. It's one I have to be careful with. Um, so it, you look at the media, a lot of media outlets, which stories are more popular? Um, is it more popular to talk about what's broken than what's fixable and what the solution is? Our local media didn't give the same, I feel, uh, didn't give the same attention to the good stories, the positive stories, as the negative stories and the loss. Uh, and they were reacting to selling papers. Um, and so I get that. Uh, but I think everybody has a responsibility in city building. It's not just ours, not just City Hall. Uh, everybody has a responsibility to city building. Um, and the media is stepping up. Our radio media has always been supportive. Our team uh, is on radio a lot. Uh, our Chamber of Commerce uh very positive. They're allies in city building, uh, and our print media has come forward. Uh, but it was it was challenging. Uh, initially, they didn't necessarily help us, but uh, I wouldn't say they hurt us. But it didn't always help us. Okay. All right. Um, this has been tremendous. Uh, really interesting stuff. Is there anything else that you think we should know uh, in Windsor about what Hamilton's been able to accomplish? I would just say be patient. Um, Alignment of priorities have to be there. Uh, what a definition of a win is has to be consistent. Uh, and everybody owns the reality of making a better place, uh, a better city, a better province. And you're seeing that with this example. This is a lot of Ontario municipalities here at Elevate working together to tell Ontario's story. Plus Winnipeg, which is great. Uh, but it's it's important that we realize that we, we work better together than we do apart, and that is internally and externally. Great stuff. Thank you very much, My Carolyn pleasure. Reed. My pleasure. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I'm a big Carolyn Reed fan. Yeah, I liked her too. She was really good. Uh, it really was an interesting conversation. I'm glad that we um, we finished off the uh, the this the show with this one because um, I think uh, you know if if I could suggest that um, I think that stakeholders and decision makers would do well to rewind this show ten minutes and listen to what um, what Ms. Reed had to say again. Um, and think about how you can apply that to Windsor because there was a there was a ton of good stuff there, and I think um, I think there are a lot of things that that we have yet to um, that we have yet to embrace broadly. Would you agree, Donald? Yeah, I think one point that she brought up, which you know has been a 
kind of a quiet conversation going on in the city amongst the people who maybe aren't in power. Uh, we seem, and I, I mean power, not just politically, but even from a, a business standpoint and even from a worker standpoint, Windsor, for the longest time, and I guess it kind of start. well, it's been going on forever, but Mayor Francis probably would have brought this up, uh, made it m- most relevant, is we seem to be hoping and wishing and praying that that big win is going to come down and drop a thousand jobs on our laps. Uh, and I also think what she said about the type of jobs aren't may sound good, but aren't always a win. Uh, you know, if I, you know, it wouldn't be a show unless I said something negative about somebody. So I guess if you go back, you know, over the past couple councils we've had, we've had, you know, people talking about some of our, you know, higher high tech, uh, associations here and, you know, asking for small sums of money and, you know, told them to go ask their parents for money because that's not what we're focusing on. And I, I think what she said, you have to look at the small multiples of 10 as the big win, not the 1000. And I think that is something Windsor hasn't learned yet. Uh, and I understand it given the culture we have down here of, you know, a manufacturing assembly type, uh, economic base here. We always focus on, you know, if Chrysler can open one more shift or if, you know, we can get another engine at the Ford plant, that's a big win for us. And we don't look at, you know, some of the smaller tech companies or automation companies or engineering companies that are 10 people, five people, eight people, 15 people. Uh, is it better off to get 20 of those or is it better off to get, you know, any kind of assembly job where they're opening up and you're going to hire 300 more people? I think going forward, I think those are short-term wins and that might play politically really well. But I think the long-term future of Windsor and making a change to actual economic diversification, not just, you know, not just saying it, actually doing it, is going to be about promoting, encouraging, and investing in those small companies and trying to take a five-person company and turn it into a 20-person company. Yeah, I think that there is some truth to that. Uh, I think, you know, this is a longstanding criticism I have of not only our political uh, leadership in general, not any specific person, as well as uh, our local media. Um, I think that there has been um, a reliance on um, stale narratives about what a successful Windsor might look like. Um, and rather than um, rather than than having the courage to lead the community forward, I think we have a lot of um, a lot of pandering and um, a lot of sort of wistful looking back at what we had in the past, rather than hopefully looking forward into the future. And, and honestly, um, I think one of the biggest things that we lack collectively in Windsor is is the confidence to believe that this community can do something different and do something better than it has in the past. And, and uh, um, again, you know, I, I think that Ms. Reed really uh, hit the nail on the head and touched on a number of those themes. And, and one other thing I want to mention is that um, no, matter, no matter where you are, it seems that, that folks in government uh, and, in, um, and in politics, uh, they love to blame the media. Hey, Don? <laughs> well, fortunately, she was basically just blaming newspaper people and said uh, radio was good. So I'm a big fan of her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, anyway, um, I think that's just about all we have for tonight. Uh, I hope that you um, all out there in podcast land got something out of this um, discussion and um, the review of our experiences at Elevate. Um, want to thank uh, all of our 
guests for um, submitting to interviews with us. Uh, thank you for your valuable time. Um, want to also thank uh, Elevate for um, giving us the opportunity to attend their festival. Um, we very much do appreciate that. Thank you to uh, Reno's Kitchen for the studio space. Um, thank you to our sponsor, Layuna Local 625 Building Better Communities. Thanks to Don Merrifield, and thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next week.